Hey everybody, um, welcome back. This is an interview and conversation with Jonathan Blanco, founder and CEO of TF Labs. Um, you may know their work best by the, the TF conference that they do on a regular basis. Jonathan's really active in the Seattle and national blockchain crypto space um, and a friend of the Blockchain Society at UW. So we're, we're really lucky to have him here. Um, today we're gonna be having a conversation about product management, um, what it looks like, what it means, um, how to pursue those types of roles and gain the skills necessary to become a successful product manager, but then also talk a little bit about product management specifically within the context of blockchain and crypto um, and sort of how that might differ from typical roles. So I don't want to introduce Jonathan for himself, um, so I'll let him speak, but thanks again for joining us. And with that, yeah. I'll hand it off to you, Jonathan. Yeah, of course. Uh, thanks, Robbie. I appreciate you having me. Uh, I'm a UW graduate myself, uh, graduated in 2005, uh, and I actually teach product management through the continuing education program uh, run through University of Washington. So uh, I, I love UW. It's been a very influential part of my life uh, throughout the majority of my life. So uh, it's great to be here. Um, I've been a product manager for a greater part of, you know, 10 plus years or so. And uh, I started doing product management before I really even realized that I was doing product management. And so um, what's interesting is that uh, though product management is one of the most in-demand uh, roles for organizations, you know, we live in Seattle or if you're in any major tech hub, uh, you see product manager jobs all the time. Uh, but what's interesting is you don't see product management um, majors, right? And and there's actually not even product management classes in most universities. And so, um, you know, just to level set here real quick, what what product manager really is, it, it's, it's different in, in different organizations and different companies. Um, but at the main premise of it is you're sort of like the entrepreneur of the product that you're working on. Uh, you might have heard the, the phrase that a product manager is the CEO of the product. I actually disagree with that, and I'll tell you why. Uh, you know, if you're the CEO, there is um, this notion of, of, of um, I don't want to say power, but authority. That's a better word to say it, right? And so um, as a product manager, you don't necessarily have authority over the product, um, but you, because you are working with other individuals, other parts of the organization uh, to get that product out, out and, and built and, and available. And so the reason I like to say you're the entrepreneur of the product as opposed to the CEO is because you are working with engineering and you are presenting a case to engineering as to why something might be created or built. You're working with the business side and you're understanding what uh, some of the customer requirements might be or some of the sales need might be. You're working with uh, marketing and you're understanding, uh, you know, and helping them guide how they're gonna be marketing the product. Uh, and then you're also interconnecting all of those as like this intermediary in between to really make sure there's a functioning uh, message and story that's reflective all the way throughout. So when I think of product management, I really think of it as like the crux in between uh, the other aspects of the business. Uh, specifically when it comes to uh, building products for a platform, for an organization, et cetera. Awesome. Yeah, thank you for the overview. Uh, it sounds like there's a ton to unpack and a ton of different skills that I'd love to talk with you about. But before we dive in, would you mind telling us a bit about how you uh, 
uh, I guess, had that realization that product management was really the job function that you were doing and maybe how you sort of became a product manager? Yeah, most definitely. Um, I, I think product managers, uh, if anybody out there that's listening feels like they're a generalist, I actually think you're an ideal person for uh, being a product manager. Um, while, of course, if you do have a particular uh, set of skills that you're very, very good at, uh, you, that doesn't mean you can't be a product manager. Of course you can. But um, the way I've always kind of prided myself on being a generalist, meaning uh, I can do lots of things pretty good. I'm not amazing at anything, um, but I know how to learn and figure things out, right? And then I could find the people that are amazing to work on those things. So I spent some time um, where I, uh, I, I co-founded a physical retail uh, store um, with some partners, uh, as well as we started doing that and getting it into online, uh, just basic traditional e-commerce. Uh, and through that process of managing, you know, the, the build out and what we were doing there, uh, I started to realize that I actually personally didn't want to be involved with things that handled inventory. Because when you think of inventory, um, there's spoilage and there's things like that. And I just didn't want to deal with it. I was like, but this whole software thing is really interesting, right? And so from there, I started really understanding how the e-commerce platforms work and how you could build applications inside of those e-commerce um, platforms. And so I spent time really figuring that out and then started working with this early stage startup uh, first uh, in a sales capacity slash business development. But because we were so small, I was interacting with engineering and I was building out the requirements. And it was very similar to what I was doing when I was working in the e-commerce store. And mind you, at, at this moment, I didn't, I had heard of product management, but I didn't realize that um, there was like this whole thing of, of product management. Sure. So anyways, fast forward a little bit. And, um, you know, someone was telling me like, oh, you're a product manager. And I'm like, oh, what do you mean? I was like, no, no, like what you do is product management. I was like, oh, okay. So I started reading about <laughs> it, learning as much as I could about it, just books and uh, different, um, you know, videos or online. I was like, oh, I guess, I guess I do product management. I, oh, I guess that is what I do. And what's funny is that um, there was a moment where I had a level of insecurity. And so I was like, you know, I'm going to take a course at UW being the, uh, the, um, uh, product management course uh, for the continuing education program. And I'm just going to go through this because, you know, I've done product management in a startup capacity for, you know, five or six years now. Um, but I haven't done that in this capacity for like an Amazon or Microsoft. So anyways, I took the course and what was great, it was actually a love, it boosted my confidence, not because I necessarily like learn things. It just re-emphasized things that I already knew. And I was like, oh, okay, I am doing the right things. And so what a lot of people now that I teach it will find is they're like, oh, I've done that element before, or I've done right. this before, or I've seen that. And so really when you think about product management, it's the organization of it and the operationalizing the things that you need to do to um, make a product from the idea stage all the way through, you know, shipping that out and getting it to folks. So, um, so anyways, that's, that's, that's really when I uh, was like, oh, I guess, I guess I am a product manager. And, um, you know, I've led teams uh, of all different sizes from startups to uh, big box retail. Um, now what I do uh, from the product management side is I, I do a lot of consulting where I come into organizations and I establish their product management process. So you'd be surprised um, unless you're kind of Google or, uh, you know, Facebook um, or Amazon, um, most companies actually 
um, do product management, uh, but could do it better. <laughs> it's just the better, best way to say it. And it, really all it comes down to is just operationalizing because if the way I think about product is um, anybody should be able to come into the requirements or the documentation and understand it and um, be able to move the product forward. Product can't live in the minds of the product manager. It can't live in the mind of the engineering uh, or of the stakeholder or like the CEO or whoever, because if it does, um, it's gonna be different across every single person, right? So like if mm -hmm. the three of us are starting a startup and we're not documenting things and we're not going off of a source of truth, my interpretive, my interpretation of the product is going to be different than Renee's and it's going to be different than New Year's Roberts. And then we start building product and we're like, wait, why are we not doing what we said we're doing? It's like, no, I did. I just remember it differently. Right. right. Um, and so, so anyways, like I said, we, we work with a lot of companies right now to establish their process from the ground up, everything from like how you would document things in Jira to how you're making sure that you're taking requirements from your sales team to how you're creating that roadmap overall. Um, and then forcing people into a process so you don't have those arguments and you actually have this sense of what done is. Right. Um, and yeah, so I, I really enjoy it. It's fun. And um, w one of the best answers I have for folks when um, I teach my class and even I've done, I've, I've said the same answer to, to my students in my class as well as to CEOs of some you know, very interesting companies. And then I was like, you know, is this a good idea should we do this? And I say, I don't know. Then they're like, well, what do you mean you don't know? It's like, well, me thinking it's a good idea doesn't matter. Like what matters is that we have the data to support this being a good idea, right? What matters is that we understand how the users are interacting with the product that we have built, that we are validating it with customers, um, that we have the software built out to support those things. Um, and that means if it's a good idea or not. Me just liking it because I think it'll work is like, sure, like that's great, but um, it, it doesn't mean that we're building good product. We only know if we're building good product if we're taking it through the process and we are reflecting on it, analyzing it, um, you know, building it off of the process that we have established. Gotcha. Um, so it, it sounds like it's one really process intensive, at least to be a good product manager, you have to be, um, re really sticking to a strong process to being very customer oriented, like you said, listening to users and letting that data drive the direction of the product. Um, but then also being really clear in terms of your communication abilities with devs and um, other people who might be sharing the, the work with building the product. Is, is that sounding kind of right? Yeah, most definitely. And, you know, you, you, there's, uh, so I, I've never worked at Amazon, but one thing that Amazon does uh, that I've heard and I've seen, you know, they have really great product managers is, you know, when you go into a meeting, um, basically people write up um, like a, a notes or a, like mm -hmm. a report, essentially, that people need to read for the first couple minutes, right? So like you're already setting the tone for let's make sure that everybody's on the same page. And then you go to like a startup and you have a CEO who comes in and says like, yo, we're going to go build this because we need to solve this thing and we don't have time to process or document this. Right. There's always time for process and documenting because if not, you're going to make the mistake later. All that to say, though, um, as you become a better product manager, as you become a better founder, um, sure, you can sh shortcut some of these things here and there. 
uh, because yes, you do have a little bit of gut feeling. Yes, you, you have had the experience to understand where something might be there, but you still ultimately should make sure that you're documenting things because um, it just takes being wrong once and to make a really, really big mistake. So, um, totally. and, and you know, what I always say to anybody that's ever worked for me or even people that I've reported to is that, you know, you kind of get only one opportunity to mess up when you say like, we're doing this because of my gut. Um, and you know, your, your gut feeling should be based off of some level of research that you've already done. Right. Or, you know, because whatever you think for your previous market or like, Oh, I've been in this industry for 20 years. It's like, well, the industry has changed, right? Like anybody sure. that says that now, like, oh, I've been in this industry for 20 years. Well, we're in the middle of a pandemic right now. So the game has completely changed how people interact via, you know, via meetings, via commerce, uh, via social interactions. So that doesn't matter. What matters is that you can break that process down and then bring that process back into this new paradigm that we're in and start making decisions that way. But saying like, oh, well, you know, people transact online via credit card. So they're going to do it now. Maybe, maybe, but like, let's actually make sure that we really understand what the, what behaviors have changed because people are spending less, for example. Right. So like, it's just understanding that. Right. Right. It sounds like a lot has changed and it's, a, it's about staying on top of that and maintaining a lot of clarity uh, throughout that process. Yeah. Yeah. And that's ultimately why incumbents, uh, get knocked down after a while, right? So you you have the only reason why a company uh, gets knocked down is because they get so big and they get into this rent-seeking mode where um, they either forget to innovate or they allow the innovation to occur outside of their organization. And as habits begin to change, they begin to break down. Right. So, you know, Amazon is, is the most amazing company in the world right now when it comes to commerce and retail and, uh, you know, arguably logistics and, and a lot of the different things that they're a part of. Um, what people forget is Sears. Sears was once uh, the most amazing commerce company in the world. Right. And you, you could buy a house at Sears. Like you could literally buy a house from the magazine and there's houses all around Seattle that are actually Sears houses hmm. that people would purchase from a magazine and a kit would essentially come to the house and then people would build the house. Right. Wow. And you know, so we're, we're, but, but what happened is retail uh, e-commerce happened. Right. And, and Sears thought like, Hey, like this whole e-commerce thing is, is not that big of a deal yet. And um, you had other people that did. And the only, the only companies from an e-commerce standpoint that are still significant and still relevant uh, that were around in the, call it late 90s, um, were the ones that invested in e-commerce pretty pretty soon, like pretty, pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The ones that decided to drag their feet um, are, are not, are not around or, or they're, right. they're slowly, you know, getting out of there. So, um, you know, it, you can apply that logic or that, that's how I think about it, you know, to relate it to crypto and blockchain real quick is I think we'll see the similar thing when it comes to blockchain and cryptocurrency is that you'll have these companies that are saying like, Oh, we'll never mess with that. Mm -hmm. And the ones that at least explore it and start thinking about it will be the ones that will, um, have an advantage. And even let's just say for some reason that blockchain just 
is doesn't end up being anything, right? Like for no reason, for out of nowhere, there's this blockchain's dumb, Bitcoin's dumb. I don't believe this, but let's just go with that narrative for a second. Sure, sure. It doesn't matter. What matters is that you have people working on solving tough problems and figuring out how to operate in new paradigms, in new technologies. So that way, when the next new wave of innovation comes in, those people already know how to think. They already know how to break things down. Um, and so that's, even if you didn't believe that blockchain or Bitcoin or crypto has any future in business, you still should have people in your organization thinking about it because they're going to learn how to think in ways um, that are different than the people that are just, you know, typing numbers in or doing you know, exactly what they do. You know, one thing I say whenever I have people that work with me or work for me um, that's slightly unpopular is I'm a huge fan of people having side hustles, um, even if they're working for me, right? A lot of times people will be like, oh, I don't want someone to have a side hustle if they're working for my company because that means they're just going to get distracted or this or that. And the, I, just, I just can't understand that mentality because you know, if, if, you know, like Robbie, let's say that you were working for me and if you have a side hustle, my hope is that the things that you learn in your side hustle will impact what you're doing at the job. Like, right. You'll right. start to think in this way or you'll learn something. You'll be like, Hey, Jonathan, like I tried this thing out here. Like we should try that with, with, what with, with TF. I'm be like, yeah, if you tried it, let's, let's see what it's like. Right. And if for some reason, like your side hustle gets so amazing and you decide to, to leave what you're doing with me, like, that's great too, because it's like, you know, <laughs> like, like to me, I just, the way I look at it is like, Oh, you know, I, I would like to think that Robbie learned some of these things that he's doing for me. Right. I mean, it's just, right. it's just a really interesting way to look at it. And so, you know, anybody listening, I, I, I really recommend having a side hustle. Um, I've had a for side sure. hustle my entire life. Uh, I've always had two jobs my entire life. Um, and you know, what I always say is that, uh, I don't go to church on Sundays. I don't play in a softball league and I, I don't go out and hang out with my friends. I did in my twenties, in fairness, I did in my twenties, but I don't now. And so mm -hmm. my hobby or my hobbies are working on companies or building other things. And, um, and then of course spending time with my family. Right. Right. But, uh, you know, it's, it's really just depending on uh, what you find interesting. And to me, uh, working on products, uh, whether they're, you know, working as a consultant for someone else's or uh, a random itch or an idea that I have, um, it's something I want to be spending my time on. Totally. Cool. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I do have some questions for you. Sure. Um, so you mentioned that being a product manager, you are more like a medium with between departments. Is that sure? So how do you deal with conflicts? If yeah. So this is why the process becomes so important, right? Um, and essentially establishing rules and um, uh, mechanics of how to operate is so important because there's no need to have conflict. If, if, if everybody can agree on the work that needs to be done ahead of time, if people can agree on what the product vision is, what the product strategy is, it's up to the product manager to create this and present this and get the buy-in, of course. But if, if people agree to this ahead of time, there should not be conflict. 
Of course, we all know that there will be conflict, but what are the causes of conflict? Usually the causes of conflict end up being things like, oh, you said you were gonna get something done and you didn't get it done. Or you went against what the requirements were and you created something completely, totally different. You know, there, 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 there are things that come up that are against what we have decided. And so um, that's, again, one of the main reasons I love product management so much is because let's say we're doing a sprint, right? And so for those that aren't familiar with the sprint, a sprint is basically um, uh, a segment of work uh, over the course of a year. Uh, and so some companies will do a one-week sprint or a two-week sprint or a three-week sprint. Uh, ideally, you do something like a two-week sprint. And so what you say is we're going to get this much amount of work done in this period of time, right? And so for us to get this much of work done in a period of time, we're going to break those down into smaller segments or what are stories, right? And um, so essentially, ideally, what you're doing is, is, is sprint planning and your, uh, this sprint planning that you're doing has a step even before that as a product manager you've established some level of requirements of things that need to happen you've validated those requirements of what needs to happen you've already got a little bit of buy-in from the stakeholders and you've already reviewed this with your engineering and whoever needs to make decisions so it can be approved to getting into work um, so it's a long way of saying is that if you're doing product management correctly you have taken whatever the initial thought kernel idea was and you worked it into a process to first validate it. Then you worked it into requirements. And when right. they're in requirements, you're putting that in front of the engineering lead to say like, hey, can we build this? The designers, hey, can we design this? Marketing, hey, is this something we can market when it's done? Um, uh, executives, hey, executives, we're doing this. We're good, right? We have the buy-in. So you, you got all the way to that phase. Now we're saying, so if there's any conflict in that point, it might be because there's disagreement of what that is of where the priorities lie. Like mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm totally fine with there being conflict or disagreement about where a priority be. However, again, if you're ideally the way you're prioritizing things is based off of things like revenue or ability uh, or um, uh, the, the overall timetable it takes to create it. Sure. Um, but at the end of the day is that if you have all these things in place, if you create your, your stories and if you are, uh, agreeing essentially to a contract of what's going to be done over that period of time. Um, there shouldn't be a conflict. Again, we all know that there still will be conflict. Uh, and that's when you go back and say like, Hey, we agreed to this. Um, should we have less work next time? Because we can't achieve this. Right. Uh, were you busy? Um, did I not give you the requirements that were needed? Uh, what, you know, what is it? Cause it doesn't mean that it's not the product person's fault, right? The product person perhaps, uh, didn't give clarity on how things should be created or, or things like that, or they're waiting on someone else. So, right. Anyways. So you're saying that the, the, the roadmap needs to be clear in order to prevent disagreements and, you know, to take a, a fine tooth comb when those disagreements do come post roadmap to yeah. make sure that they sort of don't occur a second time. Yeah. I mean, think of any argument you've ever had in your entire life, whether that be like with your parents or a sibling or uh, a significant other, um, you know, the, the path of that argument usually is you said this. No, right. you didn't. No, I didn't. You said this. No, I didn't. You said that. And so 
um, it's, it's easy when you're having relationships and, and friendships, of course, because you're not documenting your friendship, right? Sure. <laughs> you're not going ahead of time with your friendship, say, hey, we're going to be doing these things. But in software or as you're thinking about building products and in, in, in technology or business or processes, yeah, ideally you're saying like, hey, we're agreeing to this. And mm-hmm. so when someone says like, hey, uh, Renee, you said this, like, well, actually, if we look at the documentation, this is what we said and this is what we agreed upon. And they're like, oh, I guess I didn't read that or, or so forth. So when it comes to you working with other companies, where do you see disagreement and conflict taking place most in their process? And then how do you manage that or advise them on preventing that in the future? Yeah, you know, I was, I was talking with a company recently and it was very much founder led founder vision. And um, while, you know, you know, I'm like I said, I'm a founder and uh, being a founder is great. But being a founder doesn't doesn't mean that you know everything, right? And so, uh, in this particular organization, um, often what happens is the founder has an idea, and the founder has a lot of experience in the mm-hmm. domain space. And so, the founder will say, like, "Hey, we should build, you know, this type of thing because it would be great." Well. The problem is, is that they're building other things already, right? And so for them to start building on this new idea, they need to make a decision. Do we, one, abandon all the work we've already done on what's existing, or or sorry, what's out that hasn't been delivered yet? Um, Do we, two, do we ignore the founder altogether? Well, that's problematic, of course. Uh, Or three, do we try to do both? And all those answers are hard and difficult. And so the way I would approach that scenario, for example, is I would say, hey, founder, that's a great idea. Tell you what, we're about 50% done with what is on um, the current roadmap to achieve this goal to ship this product. And so for us to actually take that on as work, realistically, we shouldn't take that on as work until X amount of months from now or X amount of sprints from now. But what I'll Mm -hmm. go ahead and do is because you know you're the founder is i'll devote someone on my team to spend a couple hours to validate and research what we're doing here and we'll go ahead and present that to you and we'll and we'll say and we'll see if we want to build this out and if we in fact do want to build this out based off of that research or at least start doing some more development or or more requirements off it now we need to make a very crucial decision because we have to prioritize everything So does this new thing that we've discovered determine that we just put a bow on whatever we've created and just ship it and now we start working on this new thing? Or do we need to go ahead and finish what we have all together? Because at the end of the day, we can't do both and we don't have the team size to be able to do both, right? So we need to think about where those priorities lie. And so that's really is like where we, where, where people need to think of, you know, um, when you're building product is it just comes all down to prioritization and, and what you think is, is best. Got it. Cool. Battery. Thank you for that. Yeah, no problem. Sorry. My battery is about to die on my, on my laptop and that would not be good uh, oh, in no this worries. interview to just lose, lose you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm wondering what essential skills um, a student like us, is necessary to have on resume in order to stand out when applying for the role of the product manager? Yeah, so so this this isn't the answer that I think most of you are going to want to hear, um, but it's pretty difficult to have your first job be a product manager, 
Uh, it's close to impossible, actually. Um, th that doesn't mean you can't become a product manager and you won't become a product manager. It's just that um, it's pretty rare that a company will hire a product manager directly out of college. That's just in my experience what I've seen. That being said, that doesn't mean you can't do product management. Um, so I'll, I'll go kind of like further ahead and then I'll come back to like the skills. So like for anybody that's trying to be a product manager right now, um, I wouldn't be so stuck on being a product manager. Um, I would just try to get into a company that you want to work at or a company that you would want to be a product manager at. So like, let's say you want to work for Google. Being a Google product manager is really difficult. So maybe you get a job in BD at Google or whatever job you can get in to get into Google, for example, and then start hanging out with all the product managers and be like, mm -hmm. go, you know, go to lunch with the product managers and see if you can help them out with their work. Be like, hey, like I got my work done. Can I help you with anything? Can I write up some requirements for you? Can I do X, Y, Z? People appreciate anybody that is willing to learn and, and to, to help and do that sort of thing. Um, so, so yeah, I, I think that's kind of a really interesting and, and best way to look at it if you want to be a product manager is how can I get into a company and organization and then kind of attach myself to that group regardless if I'm in that section. Uh, the other is being part of a startup or an early stage startup. And so in being part of an early stage startup, there's pros and cons to that, right? So some of the cons is you might not learn the process as much uh, from like, how you do everything, but you will learn how to think. You will learn how to break ideas down. Um, you will how, learn how to do a lot of the elements that are important for product management. So I think that's also really good is trying to get in with the early stage startup. Um, don't get in with the early stage startup because you somehow think that you're going to be working for the next Facebook. Like literally take that completely out of your mind. Work for a startup <laughs> because you wanna get skills. Um, and any startup that's trying to recruit you and says that they're gonna have like this massive, you know, rocket ship thing, I, I would actually just run away from that because uh, mm. if they were really gonna have a rocket ship and they probably would, I don't know, get, I guess be more, uh, uh, more, more even keel about it. I don't know, that's just my thought. Usually the, the ones that talk the most are the ones you wanna be scared of from that context. Sure. <laughs> um, but I've definitely also, seen that before. <laughs> But also, too, is like, you know, if you have the ability to intern uh, or, um, you know, I don't want to say work for free, but like, like, seriously, like there, there's been five times in my life at different stages of my life where I've worked for free uh, for other people and for myself. And every single time I've done it, uh, it's catapulted me to the next level just through like learning and doing things. And, you know, I, I would continue to do it. I would do it again. You know, but the best advice I could give to anybody and who is just coming out of college is, you know, if you're not finding your dream job, figure out a way to work for someone or, or a company, regardless of what the pay is strictly for the learning. Cause that's what, what all that matters right now is that you're learning as much as you possibly can. If you start working for someone and you don't feel like you're learning, leave immediately. Right. But just like, emphasize focus doesn't matter how big or large the company is is that you're learning how to do things and you're learning how to think totally. um, that reminds me of a i think it was a story that warren buffett was explaining he had a mentor that he really wanted to work for or um, learn from and he said hey I'll, I'll work for you for free and the mentor said back then free would be too expensive for me <laughs> yeah no the learning was just too valuable Oh, no, totally. It's not only that is right. It's like, and yeah, exactly. If you're going to work for free, 
don't waste the person's time, right? Because you know, I, I've um, I've had interns before, and it's like I, I've actually said it's not going to work out, even though it's like quote unquote, you know, for uh, for free or or it's uh, what do you call it? Um, school credit, that kind school, of school school credit. But it's like it's too much work for me, right? right. And so. Uh, the best thing that you can do is like just prove and show value always, always. I'm just, I'm just a huge, huge proponent of that is just always make sure that you're showing value because guess what? If you are working for free, if you are interning and you are showing value, that person or that company is going to want to do whatever they can do to retain you. Right. And Absolutely. so where if, if they're not, it's because they don't value you. And so there's two reasons why they don't value you either. Like, they're not very nice people and they're taking advantage. That could be one side, of course, um, or you're not providing value. It's one or the other. And, you know, for me, it's whatever you do, just always make sure that you are showing that. To go back to your, your question, Renee, as far as like what skills can someone be uh, achieving and, and doing right now? You know, if I was to do university over again, and for those that are graduating, it's probably, you know, obviously you're not going to do another year off of what I'm about to say, but I would have, uh, I was a business major and while I, I you know, I'm, I'm thankful I have a business degree and so forth, um, I always knew I was going to be involved in business. I always knew I was going to be an entrepreneur and I learned the majority of uh, business through just messing up and trying. Um, I don't, I don't remember a single thing I learned in college other than learning how to think. But I think I, there's a lot of people that tell you like, don't go to college and college is a waste of time. I think the most valuable part of college is learning how to think, right? How to process ideas, working with other people, um, people that you don't like. I think that's so valuable. College could be a lot less expensive, or sorry, it could be a, a, a lot less expensive than it is now. When I went to school, my, I, my first year of college tuition for the entire year at UW was $2,000. So, wow. uh, yeah. And then at, at my final year, which was 2000, I graduated in 2005, I think it was like 5,500 and I was pissed. I was like, that's so expensive. I don't even know what it is now, <laughs> but like it's an order of magnitude or two higher. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is crazy. Like that's just uncalled for. It shouldn't be like that. Right. Like two, two, 5,000 for a year. I think that's totally reasonable. Um, you know, for, for a college education anyways. Um, sorry, go ahead. You wanted to. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the topics that we really wanted to touch on in speaking with you, uh, in addition to, you know, what, what is it like for a student? What are the type of skills that we can get that would put us in a better position to become product managers and more effective product managers is how when we look at the blockchain and, bit, um, and crypto space, does um, product management change, if at all? Um, how do you think about product management specifically within this yeah. industry? Yeah. Um, so so I remember there was this one time I was hiring someone and um, I asked her all these questions and every single question that I asked her, she got them wrong. Every single one, all wrong. And I hired her anyway. And um, the reason I did is because she knew how to break down questions and formulate them and bring back articulate responses and create a point of view that she had. And, um, so my thought process there was, okay, she doesn't know enough about our domain, but if she learns about our domain, 
she's going to really understand how to explain it because she can break, you know, mm. those things down. And so um, the reason I'm bringing that story up is because I think one of the best things that people learn who are in the blockchain and cryptocurrency space, um, even just as an amateur or just having interest in it, is you learn how to think in a slightly different way. And you're, you're looking at the world through a slightly different lens. And so the way product management changes when it comes to blockchain overall is honestly not much. You're, you're still doing the validation and you're still doing the process and you're still doing documentation. You're just doing extra layers of it, right? So the additional layers of what you're doing is like, hey, like, does this need to be an immutable ledger? Uh, do people need to uh, have uh, access to this? A lot of people who are Bitcoin maximalists, um, or uh, call it, you know, even altcoin maximalists um, tend to kind of like poo-poo enterprise blockchain and like, oh, it's not really blockchain, it's DLT or like it's not, it's not decentralized. And my position on that is that it might not be blockchain. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't probably isn't like a true true like bitcoin version of blockchain it definitely is not right. that it's definitely not like this massively decentralized things and guess what it definitely doesn't matter that that's the mm -hmm. case and i'll explain why because if you are an enterprise company if you're amazon if you are intel if you're ibm if you're microsoft when you build product you build it off of sets of requirements that you have for your customers you are a customer obsessed you want your customers to use the tools your customers if they're coming to you saying like we want a blockchain solution what they're saying is we we want to have like more distributed access to this data or we want to have some levels of immutability right mm -hmm. like they're not saying hey we want to have a bitcoin blockchain in our process that's not what they're saying right um, and most people, when they're saying things, they don't even say things like we want a Bitcoin or a blockchain. They hear about it. It's, it's, it's the same thing that you can think about of how prescription drugs work in the sense mm -hmm. of if I have an ailment, I, I shouldn't go to my doctor and say, I want this drug that I saw on television because I don't know enough about that drug. Right. I got a, something marketing hit me. And I was like, oh, I, I need that for my cough. Right. It's, any, any person um, that would be a client of Microsoft that says like, I need blockchain, it, it's likely to be the same thing, right? So the reason I'm, I'm diving deep on this aspect of it is that uh, when Microsoft again is, or any of these companies are building, they're building based off of these requirements and they're gonna take the best elements of technology that fit their need, whether that be blockchain, whether that be AI, whether that be IOT, whether that be just JavaScript, like whether whatever it is that they're working on, it's right. going to be an amalgamation of things that help them achieve the goal that they have. So, right. um, so whether it's decentralized from that context doesn't matter. I am very bullish on Bitcoin. I, I'm a big believer in Bitcoin. Uh, for all those reasons I just stated is actually one of the reasons why I'm also very bullish on Bitcoin is because uh, I love the fact that Bitcoin uh, essentially has like this life of its own. And um, so when I think about like where I sit when it comes to cryptocurrency and blockchain, I, I care a lot about Bitcoin um, and I care a lot about uh, enterprise blockchain. I don't really care about anything in the middle of that um, because the reason why I care about enterprise blockchain and in uh, digital currency when it comes to companies is because mm -hmm. a company like Visa who has uh, just announced they're going to do a digital currency, um, they have uh, like a $400 billion market cap. 
So that's why I care about that, right? Where I don't care about a, a basic, you know, startup um, that has a coin on an exchange in a secondary market with market makers um, mm -hmm. that is, uh, you know, has very little liquidity and is problematic to building the product itself, who's going to disrupt, you know, Visa. I'm not worried about that. And I think that Bitcoin, for example, I think Bitcoin will still disrupt Visa and do all these things. But I think that Visa will always be there um, because of the fact that it's so integral to how people shop and, and, and do their things. So when, when I think of someone in, in school who's thinking about like, hey, I want to work at a company. Again, going back to what we talked about a second ago is... You know, you might want to try to get a job at Coinbase or Bittrex or, right. or, you know, one of these cool, awesome, you know, uh, uh, crypto companies. Again, it's going to be very unlikely that you get a job there, uh, not because you're not amazing, but just because there's a lot of amazing people applying to these places. Still apply, still try, still try to stand out, of course. I don't want to discourage you from that. But you also have an opportunity to work at some other company and be the Bitcoin person, be the blockchain person, right? right? Totally. Like, you know, show, show that you have this interest and, you know, bring the skills that you have and, and create marketing material or create um, a proof of concept or like thinking on why the organization should think in certain ways. Um, overall, one of the things I do often actually when I work with these different customers from the consulting side is I'll actually do um, a like a scope of work for in-network currency for the company. So I'll say like, hey, like this is if you were to have an in-network currency, this is what it might look like. And again, one of the reasons I'm so bullish about in-network currency is because I've spent about 12 years working in retail technology. And when you work in retail technology, one of the biggest uh, revenue drivers for them is, um, or I shouldn't say biggest revenue drivers, but one of like the key tenants is things like gift cards or loyal. Mm -hmm. but, but, but yes, one of the key tenants and drivers for them is loyalty overall, right? Earning points. You know, you go to Starbucks and you get start, you, you get the different Starbucks points and then you can buy more coffee, right? So establishing uh, loyalty via cryptocurrency or, or going back to what we talked about a moment ago, when we think about requirements, if we, if you're an organization and you can use requirements to, um, to solve a need that you have, and you can take certain elements of cryptocurrency of how that operates or blockchain to solve that, you're, you're going to do it. And it's not, you're not doing it because you have this position that you want to make visa, a decentralized system that's distributed for everybody. It's that, that, that doesn't make business sense, right? Like right. for business to say like, we want to, you know, open source everything and make this available to everybody so they can also do the same thing. It just doesn't make economic sense for them to do that. So, um, yeah, I think, again, that's why I think you have like these two sides that are really awesome. And, um, you know, totally. Bitcoin, Bitcoin being autonomous is, is why, why I love it, uh, so much. And I think it'll do well. Yeah, I'm glad you brought it back to uh, the sort of business decisions that tie into, you know, making up valuable choices for customers. I think that's one of the most important skills for a product manager. Um, and I, I like what you said that fundamentally the skills don't change between PM in other industries versus PM in blockchain. It's about yeah. the tools that you can use, the way that you can communicate. Um, 
yeah, yeah. definitely. And I, one thing I wanted to say too that I that I um, I forgot to answer when we were talking about the like what skills someone can have that's in a school is, you know, I, I just really want to emphasize the whole learning how to think aspect of things, right? Yeah. Like spend your time doing things that involve strategy, right? Play Risk. Have has anybody played the, the game Risk? You know, play Take games that. that involve strategy. Um, you know. I remember when I was a kid, um, people, Magic, the, the Gathering was created, and I thought everybody that played Magic was a bunch of dorks. I wish I played Magic. I never played it. I never did. The, but the smartest kids. <laughs> the smartest people I know today played Magic, you know, and so, or Pokemon cards, right? And so, sure. like, and and it's there, there's a reason for it, is that there's so much strategy involved in that. And I'm not saying, like, you know, don't go to school and, and do, you know, play magic, but um, think about things that involve strategy, take scratch strategy courses. Um, what I was going to say is like, Hey, if I could do school over again, I'd actually become a uh, psychology major Oh, interesting. In instead, because for me, I'm just super hyper fascinated about how people think and how they make decisions. And if you can understand how people think and how people make decisions, that's one of the greatest skills that you could have as a product manager, because then you start providing or sorry you start having empathy for your users and you're thinking as they think and then when you ask them questions you know you really put yourself in their shoes totally so um yeah yeah i think that makes a lot of sense in being again customer focused and being able to relate to people um yeah i, I think that's a really good place to leave it i know we're short on time um but jonathan where can people find you if they want to where can they learn more about what you're doing yeah, definitely. Um, so, you know, as, as, as you know, Robbie, and, and just, just about anyone, um, as long as you don't get lost in my email, I'll, I'll usually reply to you. Um, but, you know, feel free to uh, message me on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm usually accessible there. Uh, you can, um, I'm, you know, Jonathan G. Blanco on LinkedIn, uh, or at JG product on Twitter, uh, or just email uh, info at tflabs.io. Um, that comes directly to me. And uh, yeah, always happy to chat or uh, be helpful, uh, whoever I can. Um, one thing I actually, this is a great piece of advice that I have that I'll end with is um, make sure whenever you schedule time with someone, you always have some level of agenda. And this is what I mean by that is that, so I'm, I'm happy to chat with anybody. If anybody's watching this and they want to have a, you know, a quick call or, or a talk, I'm always happy to do that. However, don't schedule a call with me to then have me talk to you. And this is what I mean by that. Mm. So um, whatever you want to talk, we can talk about anything, but say like, Hey, like this is why, and, and do that with every single person. And then, um, so I had someone one time who scheduled time with me. Cause like I said, I'm, I'm very generous with my time and um, they sit down and they go, awesome. So, so yeah. Uh, uh, you know, can you, what, can you just tell me about like what you do? And I'm like, what, what, what do you mean? And I'm like, and they're like, oh, well, I just want to learn about what you do. I was like, okay, but, and, and I'm not trying to sound harsh here, but I was like, okay. So then I had to break him down. I had to stop. I was like, look, the best thing that you could do in this situation, or this is how I'd ask the question, be like, hey, thank you so much for taking the time. Because he didn't even say thanks for taking the time. He's like, hey, I just want to learn about you. Hey, mm -hmm. thanks for taking the time, time with me. Um, I want to be a product manager one day. And, um, you know, I've been doing these things and I've been learning and I've been doing this. I'd really love to learn what are some of the steps that you've taken, right? So kind of like this conversation. And so that little nuance makes a big difference. Like showing to someone, whoever you want, whether it's me or anybody, showing to someone that you've done some level of background or research 
into the, whatever the subject matter is that you want to talk about goes a really long way into how much time the other person wants to invest in you. Right. Because if you're just going there and you're just saying like, I just, you know, I want to pick your brain and just, just let me just sit here and like pretend you're a Netflix show. Uh, it's, it's not, it's not valuable to anybody. Right. But if you say like, you know, like you're like, Hey, I'm, I'm graduating in a couple months and I'm going to be doing these sort of things. And this is what I've learned already. And this is where I want to be like, you know, so I, I just thought it'd be really great to talk about, give that backstory. Like that makes such a big difference for someone going out, uh, around there. And then also at the very end, even though you might feel like, Hey, uh, I'm young, I'm, I'm graduating from school. Like maybe I don't have enough to offer this person. Always end every single meeting that you have where you're trying to, you know, quote unquote, pick someone's brain, asking what you can do for that person. I guarantee if you do that, uh, whoever you're talking to is going to be a lot more likely to want to help you and support you, even though they might think that they, that you can't. Right. But like, so like, right. you know, but I really recommend saying, Hey, like, thank you so much for your time. Like, is there anything I can do for you? Is there anything I can help you with? Or, you know, can I, can I make any introductions for you? Like just showing that you're willing to really reciprocate with someone in that time is, is valuable. And, um, you know, those are just kind of like my two little tips when you are reaching out to someone is again, make sure that you're super clear what you want to discuss with that person. Um, I guess three tips. So make sure you're clear what you want to discuss with that person Two, uh, make sure you give them some level of background to help lead that conversation. Like don't make them feel that you're just waiting for entertainment. Uh, right. And three, end it by saying, yeah, like, how can I help you? Right? Like, what, what can I do to help you? This has been so great. I'd love to help you with something. And uh, you'll, you'll, I think, try that. And I think you'll find it goes a long way. Cool. Yeah, I think that's great advice for students. Um, Jonathan, again, thank you so much. This is going to be an incredibly valuable um, collection of words for the people that are watching, especially the students trying to get into product management. Um, so thank you again for making yourself available for this. Uh, it's yeah. been, we're lucky to have you here. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, and then last thing, just a, just a shameless plug. Uh, we do have a podcast. It's called the TF podcast. I'd love if you all subscribed, um, but you'll get to learn really interesting things from super interesting people. Uh, and we talk about uh, technology and uh, finance, and that typically revolves around Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, and blockchain. So um, lots of very smart people come on the show. And uh, this is, again, thank you for having me. I I'm normally the one doing the questions or, or, and, and, and uh, getting great answers from my guests. So it's, it's fun to uh, be able to answer some questions for you all. And uh, you know, go, go dogs. Go dogs. All right. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Thanks Jonathan. All right. No problem.